spoiler alert! Here is this week's show show with sweets and Slaney. What uh, what kind of things are you consuming as a as a culture enthusiast? You know, I don't think we've consumed a whole lot um, in the past week, honestly. Wait, I watched uh, Hell or High Water, and I thought that was a masterpiece. This is exactly the kind of question I'm asking you. So, like, I haven't seen this. You you probably will suggest I, I see it. Um, is this the oil rig movie? No, that's uh, There Will Be Blood. No, no, no. Is this Wahlberg? No. What am I thinking of? I'm honestly trying to think. You're not thinking of Spencer Confidential, are you? No. That Netflix it was like movie? five years ago he worked on an oil rig in a movie. Doesn't matter. It was one of those, like, uh, yeah, the movies of the guy who kind of, like, exploits the uh, tragedies that have happened within the last five years kind of thing. This is Hell or High Water. Yeah. No, 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 no. That's, that's every Mark Wahlberg movie in the last, oh, like, six yeah. years. Sure, absolutely. But, so what is it specifically about about this movie that was that was so great? I just thought it was a interesting characters, very tasteful. Um, Chris Pine, Jeff Bridges, um... I forget the other guy's name. He's like, he's kind of a character actor um, who's fantastic. But um, it was a, it, I kind of had a similar vibe of when I watched, um, um, what what's the other one with Josh Brolin that we were talking about? Oh, uh, yeah, No Country. No Country. Exactly. Yeah. No Country for Old Man. It had, it had a similar vibe, but maybe a little, a little bit more mellow. Okay, violent, and it gets it gets right into it. Oh, I love it. Yeah, it's like here's here's what we're doing the whole movie. Have you heard Quentin Tarantino say that he thinks that Chris Pine could be like the 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 next Fred Astaire? That he's like the next great Cary Grant, the next great movie star that's kind of being underutilized. That he wants to work with Chris Pine over any other movie star. That's so interesting. Like you have that power, man. Has he like yeah. talked to him? I know it's it's such a funny thing to say on the. Once Upon a Time in Hollywood press tour, where like, I know like Leo maybe sells more tickets, but like he could have played that part. <laughs> yeah, 100%. Yeah. 100%. He should put him in something. He's he's just inside the like, you know, he's, he's right on the cusp of A-lister. I don't know if it has anything to do with his interest in directing a Star Trek movie, which let's face it, that's never going to happen. But like, that might have been part of his appeal to that franchise as well that's an easy opportunity to work with Chris Pine. But as you said, like he's the one who's in control. Nobody tells Quentin Tarantino who to cast. But he also, he hated Benedict Cumberbatch in that role. He was like so dismissive on a, an episode of Nerdist that I heard really? so long ago where he was like, that guy's playing con like Benedict Cumberbund or Bumble Dutch, whatever. Oh, so rude. Like, he was so like, yeah, I was like, this guy's an amazing actor. He's I so really good. I really can't believe you're shitting on him. It's such life. a hot take. Everybody likes Benedict Cumberbatch. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I know. He was just so like, nope, not that guy. Well, that's okay. It doesn't have to go in the con direction. Con is not essential in a Star Trek movie. No, totally. Um, but that is awesome that he wants to work with Chris Pine. I think that's, uh, that's a great, great pick. He also said that The Social Network is definitively the best movie of the decade. And I just found that though you and I both agree, I find that to be such an interesting thing for uh, for Quentin Tarantino to say, where like it's it's a, a fairly cultured, if slightly pedestrian opinion, but it's also got a lot of objective truth to it. He normally likes to flex his weird movie credentials and say something yeah. odd or take an opportunity to say, no, um, Django Unchained was the best movie of the decade. I wouldn't put that past him either. Yeah. Uh, it's just, it was an odd... It was an oddly grounded and normal person thing for Quentin Tarantino to say that Social Network is the best movie of the decade. I must say that Jen wanted to watch it and we put it on. And I don't know if you've seen the meme going around. It was kind of a meme, like kind of a viral Instagram video of a guy who's taking a video of it, a movie being a minute and 39 seconds in. And it's, I think it's Molly's game. And his girlfriend's under a blanket on the couch. And he says, okay, so anyone watching this, I just want them to feel my pain. Like we're never, next time you suggest a movie, we're not watching it because we're a minute and 39 seconds into it and you're asleep. Oh, I hate that. Not that I deal with that. I really don't. But I would, that yeah. would drive me nuts. Yeah. yeah what's exactly. What's boring about the opening? Arguably, 
Molly's game peaks in the first 11 minutes. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, that's the thing. And so and, does Social Network. It's got a beautiful I, I, start. It's got a like really quick bunch of stuff happening. I, I don't understand what's boring about that, but but I think maybe she was just overly tired. Jen wasn't feeling the social network. See, that's what's extraordinary about that movie is that it's about... It's like her third time trying to watch it. It's about unlikable people <laughs> making a website, and somehow it's genuinely suspenseful and, like, dark. Yeah. Also, uh, not, a, not an Eisenberg fan either. I can see how he's not for everybody. Yeah. But also, Mark Zuckerberg's not for everybody. Well, that's the thing, that he's kind of cast perfectly. Yeah, there's a bit of a, a movement to, like get off Facebook right now. And that, that never catches every now and then there's, there's one of these things like, um, but after what happened with Trump and Twitter, and I assume you know about this, Zuckerberg took the other side. And so now a lot of people are like, well, fine, I'm going to cancel Facebook. And I wish I could cancel Facebook. I need it for work. I think a lot of people lean on that excuse, but I do fantasize about a, about a world where I don't have to have professionally have to use Facebook at all. I like to think I would, I would cancel it. I would love to get off a couple things. Um, yeah. Okay. So, so Trump basically was like, like subjected to to a Twitter fact check, and he, he yeah. threw a hissy fit. It's so and... funny that this happened now. And I'm not like the biggest Jack Dorsey fan, but he's done a couple of cool things since COVID took over. Like he's donated a fuck ton of money out of his own pocket, which is pretty cool. Um, he's been apparently Twitter's been like a pretty a pretty healthy place to work through all of this, like as an environment. Um, yeah. And yeah, Trump tweeted too, uh, like insane things, un- untruthful things. He's like more of a liar this week than ever before, which is really saying something. And they actually embedded uh, click here for the facts link in his tweets. And so now wow. Trump is saying that um, he's being censored. That's not what censorship is, actually. Um, he's he's <laughs> saying find out if you're telling the truth. Yeah, he's saying that Twitter uh, is trying to interfere in the election, and so he also signed a executive order today to like shut down social media platforms. But I guess Zuckerberg's afraid or whatever, and so he says Whoa. that that it shouldn't be the business of social platforms to censor anyone. Uh, again, that's not censorship, and maybe it should be. <laughs> maybe it sh- maybe there should be some censorship on these like these tundras of like mayhem that are these websites that you've created tundras of mayhem is a good way to describe facebook tundras of mayhem sounds like your uh, novel series oh thank you very much i was trying to remember the name of uh rain wilson's podcast soul pancake the other day and i was i was like it's like kumquat bambino <laughs> <laughs> that's great it was not coming it to me. Be. Yeah, that that should be your other novel series. Come quite, come quite. That's Dana. that's the kids series. And what was it? Tundras of Tundras of Mayhem. Tundras of Mayhem. Hashtag cancel Facebook. Hashtag Tundras of Mayhem. Anyway, I'm so in. so so that's just another direction we could take the never going to happen social network sequel. We could take it in the direction of he's afraid of Trump after all. Totally. Yeah. Um, and I. Uh, yeah because he doesn't ever want to kind of show sides he's like um i'm trying to think of he's like michael jordan is michael jordan famously annoyingly neutral michael jordan um was asked for to support a um a charlotte north carolina uh black democrat who was going against a um historically um racist uh and just like uh bigoted republican yeah um sorry to to be redundant on that but uh he said apparently like on the tour bus with his with his team he was like well shit republicans buy shoes too (laughs) and then he tried to straighten it out in the documentary by being like i just i don't know this guy like i'm not like my mom came to me and wanted me to to represent like to support him i said i'll support him financially but i'm not going to get on a commercial for the guy because i don't know the guy i mean there's um, something valid about that which which is you know what that's like probably the best movie could have said is like i still donated to the guy but like the whole republicans buy shoes too thing was i think what what people found kind of damning in fact at the time it, it shows a, a clip of a guy saying like 
people remember Muhammad Ali because he stood for something. People might forget Michael Jordan. Yeah, people won't forget Michael Jordan, but... No, we we learned that people will not forget Michael Jordan. Oh, sorry. But that's the president, uh, too. Like, it's it sounds diminutive to say he only criticizes people who criticize him. That's actually not true. But he certainly criticizes people who criticize him. Uh, and he chooses who he likes based on who like him because he's obsessed with being uh, adored, right? He just wants attention. And so... Totally. Um, that's how this thing with Joe Scarborough came up this week. He's like, and in fact, this might've been one of the things that got fact checked. He, uh, tweeted some like completely asinine, uh, uh, conspiracy theory about how when Joe Scarborough, uh, I think it was when he ran for office or maybe it was when he was like an early broadcast journalist. Oh he, uh, allegedly murdered a woman, which he didn't. And, uh, because he criticizes the president, Trump thinks, well, he probably did. He probably is a murderer then. He must have murdered someone. Anyway, are we both having some some ergonomic yeah, troubles my, right now? My phone just keeps falling, and I'm trying to give myself some insulin while I'm talking to you. I have two cats in here with me, and it's just roaring hot. <laughs> why, why the two cats, though? I feel like you're in control over that. I am, but here they are, nonetheless. You know Who really rules <laughs> yeah. the roost? Yeah. Dad's love. I watched. Uh, no I watched the Lovebirds, which you should watch. Yeah, I'm excited to watch that. It's pretty funny. It's like it's a good hang. It's Kumail nice. and, and Issa Rae. Like it's the kind of movie where I know it was initially supposed to be in theaters. If I watched it in theaters, I'd be like, nah, probably wasn't worth my thirty dollars. But right. it's on Netflix, and it's absolutely worth my Friday evening. It's perfect time for it. Yeah. Um. It kind of has a game night vibe. You know how game night is just like, it's about like uh, boring mundane people who find right. themselves on the run. In extreme situations, yeah. like uh, adventures and babysitting. And really conducive to these like little cameos where just like funny people pop up to be lunatics throughout the film. Amazing. I loved game night, by the way. Game night is genuinely so great. I thought that was so fun. Uh, and Sharon Horgan was in it. And that was like the only other mo movie I think she's been in. I don't know that name. So she's the the Irish girl who is um, she's from that show Catastrophe that I really like with Rob Delaney. Oh yeah. So she's on like a blind date in it with someone. Right. And she's just like, what? What are you people doing? Is this something that happens? Kind of thing. Right. Speaking of Irish shows, so I read the Normal People book because I was so taken by the show. Oh my god. Don't judge me. It's really great content. I'm not judging. I just like it's it's a lot of you you you're not. Um, disappointing with how much follow-up you're doing on normal people. I feel like you could rhyme off well, uh, any here, fact at this point. Well, here's another thing I've noticed about myself. I have a I have a few obsessive tendencies. When I get into yeah. something, I just go like whole hog, like crazy into it, and I can't turn I'd around. I'd say so. How much Princess Bride and uh, Back to the Future stuff could you tell me right now? Well, where do you want me to begin? I don't have time for exactly. this. I did watch Back to the yeah. Future 2 the other night. Um, okay. Anyway, so I, I read the Normal People book, which is a quick read, but it's lovely. And it's, as it turns out, a very faithful adaptation. But I found myself, uh, uh, I would like be on break at work. I'd be eating my lunch and I'd sit there and I'd read this book and I'd like mutter it out loud to myself. And I couldn't help but do it in the silliest Irish accent. No. <laughs> because I've heard the words already out loud and it just like comes out like that. I'm not going to demonstrate <laughs> for you, but you can imagine. I wish I would have been standing in the production studio like or like just outside your door. You know how sometimes you'd be like kind of rehearsing your show. Yes. And I I wish I would have been outside your door while you were reading this. Just be like, of course I can't do that far. <laughs> You're one of the only people that I'm not embarrassed if you catch me talking out loud to myself. Right. But As you shouldn't be. No, I shouldn't be. That's my space. But sometimes people just blast in and I'm like loudly trying to enunciate something so that I, I certainly have it right. And you're like, oh, yeah. I don't blame you for that. I, there's been times where I've pronounced, not pronounced things, but like just said things completely differently from how they sound in my head. And in the heat of the moment, I'm like putting emphasis in weird places that makes it seem a different way than it actually is. I should be a little bit more conscientious about who might be listening when I'm in that studio, actually. And I, I am a little bit like a month ago, they were trying to figure out how to set up uh, like remote capabilities within the board. And it's just this oh. big computer, right? So they can access it remotely. And so I'm in there 
And uh, the engineer calls me and they're like, you're in the studio, right? And I said, yeah. And he goes, yeah, because the guy on the other end heard a burp. And I felt so violated. I was so mad. that You're like, that oh, well, fuck you. <laughs> I, was, I was mad. And, uh, yeah. and I don't think it'll happen again. But because I talked to this guy later and I was like, so you heard me burp, I guess. He's like, yeah, it was awesome. And I was like. Oh, yeah, Big Brother's You're always like, watching. Because I've got like a lot of like gastrointestinal problems. <laughs> and I was just like, I don't I don't want to think that you're just bugging. I know it's a there's like five microphones in this room, but like please tell me if you're gonna bug my workspace. Totally. Yeah. Totally. Uh, yeah, that's a that's quite an invasion. I was mad out of nowhere. I was mad. Yeah. But I'm back to reading aloud in an Irish accent. <laughs> <laughs> it didn't stick. No, it didn't. You never really learn. <laughs> Henry Cavill might come back and play Superman again, which seems like he got out. He should have. He should just stay out. Uh, he's got to stick with MI. Remember when it was Although, like? I think he died he in that, didn't he? Yeah, he died. Yeah, he in did. MI. Um, remember when it was like a big coup that he was going to leave and like branch off to be more than just Superman, which these movies aren't good anyway. And now he's going to come back. Why do they want him so bad? It's nothing against Henry Cavill, but he's also kind of a charismatic vacuum, and so are these movies. And why do you right. keep trying? God damn it. Why do you keep trying with Superman? What is it about Superman? Well, I guess I just know that he should be the ultimate superhero. <laughs> then you got to cast someone else. And you got to write a different character. We have ultimate superheroes. We're not le- we're not like scrambling for a a better superhero. We've got lots. Yeah, it's true. And his he's not a man. No. He's an alien. You're right. He's a, so he's, that's my biggest. He's a, <laughs> that's. <laughs> <laughs> Let's really break this down for a second. <laughs> this is why the movie's not successful. <laughs> Should it not be called super bipedal extraterrestrial? Super terrestrial, super extraterrestrial, super alien, super humanoid creature. He's got such that's a jawline. <laughs> he does. <laughs> Henry Gavel might be an alien too. They changed the rules, and uh, I think this might just be called like the the Pedro Pascal law or something that he played uh, Mandalorian, and right. he in another world would not have qualified for Golden Globe eligibility because of how little screen time his face actually got in that show. That's um, right. But he's masked up in it, and he will qualify for the Globes, in spite of the fact that sometimes he's only doing the voice. Sometimes he's not even in the suit. Do we know that for sure? Yeah. Um, I th- Ross told me about this. I forget the guy's name, but he's John Wayne's grandson is like the body double. Oh, wow. Yeah. Brandon he Wayne. Really hit, yeah. He, he finally hit his stride. Yeah, he's here. <laughs> the body double. It is a certain amount of uh, backdoor Western credibility. Dude, that's what I was thinking. Like, that's how he had to get. Like, he was definitely in the most popular Western of this generation. Yeah. But he doesn't really get any kind of recognition for it. In fact, Pedro Pascal might win the Golden Globe for not even being on camera. <laughs> right. Thanks to his work. He's not going to win the Golden Globe. That's not going to happen. Safe to say John Wayne would be rolling in his grave. Right. Remember when we canceled John Wayne? Did we? Yeah, it was like a year ago. He's been dead for 40 years. But someone was like, you know, John Wayne was kind of a racist and kind of a sexist. He wasn't nice. And everyone was <laughs> like, well, John Wayne is over party. Right. Yeah. <laughs> oh my God. They're making a uh, uh, girl with the dragon tattoo series. Lisbeth Salander is that her name? I don't know. They're doing a series. I've never seen the movies or anything. And actually, the last movie with uh, was it? No, Rooney Mara was always the. It's uh, Claire Foy did the last um, dragon tattoo movie, and it bombed. Yeah, it bombed. And I remember saying to Jen, like, wasn't it Rooney Mara who is? in girl with the dragon tattoo initially like, who is this because we saw a sequel and um i wasn't i was like i'm not gonna watch this none of the same people are in we were in a real era of book sequels yeah. you know it was like right around like divergent hunger games it was post twilight but like serialized like post-apocalyptic uh kind of grungy pulpy novels were very popular and, and dragon tattoo might have been the most edgy but they had right. a popularity because of that culture, I'm sure. And we're kind of past I, it. I watched the last two Hunger Games movies within the last two weeks. Oh, what'd you think? Because I've actually never 
finished Hunger Games. They they weirdly are like the one hardcore teen drama sci-fi fiction um, that gets a lot of credit. I mean, they're good. They're good. They well, like Philip Seymour Hoffman's in it. You got yeah. um, Jennifer Lawrence. You got Woody Harrelson. Uh, Woody, Woody Harrelson. You got fucking Elizabeth Lenny Banks. Kravitz. Yep, Lenny Elizabeth Kravitz. Banks. Yeah, <laughs> you do. The guy. You gotta give him some credit. I read the first Hunger Games book like when it was at its peak, and the book was really mm-hmm. good. And then I finished it, and I think somebody asked me, "Are you gonna read the second one?" And I just had no interest. As much as I enjoyed the first one, I was like, "I'm out." And I watched the like, yeah. I watched a couple of movies. Thought they were all right. And uh, I don't think I ever finished the series. Yeah, no, I, I watched the first three movies, I think. And then it started to get a little, it was less of the Hunger Games story and more of like the uprising part of it, which I also thought was cool after watching the movies. I thought it was very cool. Yeah. Um, so finished those, but a prequel came out this week, I believe. Oh, the book came out. Did it? Yeah, the prequel book. So Jen ordered that. She's she's super pumped for how pre are we here is this going to so star it's like, Katniss? it's no it's going to star um snow so donald sutherland's character it, it's the story of how he came to be apparently that's kind of cool honestly there was always way more interesting backstory in hunger games than there was for story like they set it up and like so much has already changed and they kind of give you a bit of a of a history but there that has to be a rich area Totally. Like, how did we really get here? Honestly, like, I'm I'm anti prequel, and, and that this much has been established. But I would be pretty interested in seeing how that all began. J.K. Rowling is putting out a, a serialized fairy tale. She she wrote this this book. I think it's called. I think it's a book. It, it seems to be a book in length. It's called the Ichabod. She wrote it for her kids years ago, and it's not Potter related, but it is fantastical. And she just decided uh, she's going to release it for free serially online. The first part's out now, and, and the gimmick is she wants kids to illustrate it for her. And so she's been like really interactive on Twitter this week. Is like people upload their kids' drawings, and she comments on them. It's very sweet. Cool. Yeah. Did you read it? No, I mean, just the first uh, part is up now, and I guess it's going to be released over like six or eight weeks. So maybe I'll, I'll, I'll take a look at it once it's all available. You famously followed along uh, in real time with The Martian, right? No, not in real time, no. Oh, okay. You followed up after the fact. No, it's definitely not. I definitely famously didn't do that. <laughs> <laughs> it was not, uh, non-famously. It is, didn't do it. it is one of the more remarkable publication stories like writer gets his dream kind of story he just had a blog and started like releasing chapters on his blog and he got so much traction that matt damon starred in the movie i actually i i I only read the book if you include listening to audiobooks as reading books which most people do i listen to the martian audiobook and it's great nice yeah narrated by matt damon no no oh that's a missed opportunity narrated by classic audiobook guy who's kind of like got like a like a very like Deep, but also kind of sounds like he's got oh, like Kleenex in his mouth. It, it almost sounded for a second like you were doing like Javi Feierstein. <laughs> no, I no. was like, whoa! All I, right, I was not doing that. Um, anything else you've been watching or reading? Watching, yeah. you know, we've been watching um, Magic for Humans with Justin Willman. How is that? I haven't. I have not gone down that road. You might not need to. This is our little guilty pleasure, though. It's it's kind of sure. one of those like magic shows. It's not unlike David Blaine, except he's like perkier. He's like the Jimmy Fallon of TV magicians. Okay. Um, he's very likable. Some of the tricks are obviously just camera tricks. Like they're like he hovers a lot, <laughs> and you can't hover. Right. So you just can't do that. I'm way more right. impressed by card tricks, uh, just like sleight of hand than I am by hovering because I just think that you've hired actors. Um, but there's three seasons of it and it's it's sweet and some of it is genuinely impressive. Nice. Okay. Magic for humans. And it always has like a bit of a theme about like being okay with yourself. It's very schmaltzy. Maybe I'll go down that road. I, I was waiting, just waiting for um, Space Force to come out, but you and I were talking about and we'll still probably watch some of it most of it definitely the first episode yeah we'll do that on the pod uh, next week but not good reviews so reviews far. are really not good and i i don't want to let this 
color my experience because you have to remember it took a while for the American office to find its footing too. I, I mean, you can say that, that Greg Daniels isn't a good idea man, that he's a good adapter. That's what a couple of people are saying. Like, well, maybe the office was only good because he stole Ricky Gervais's idea. I don't think that's fair. I think that they ad- they built a really good show, which in many ways is very original. Um, but it's okay if it takes a little while. It's also not fair to assume that because Steve Carell is in it, it's going to be, you know, what's Steve Carell's funniest part ever. It's not going to be the 40-year-old virgin. Like, right. it might be satirical and wacky. It's definitely not not good because people don't like you making fun of the military, which is what some, like, Trumpsters are saying. Like, well, I guess you shouldn't have made fun of the American military then. That's for uh, sure not why it's not good. Right. Um, if it's even not good. Like, have we seen a review from anyone who's, like, that we really like yet or of note? Well, I mean, what, what do you consider of note? Like, all of the major entertainment publications have given have it... Have said it's, it's kind of shitty. Either oh, okay. lukewarm or genuinely bad reviews. Like, shockingly unfunny was a phrase I said. And, and, and something that popped out to me that I said to you was that people say it's... Um, I forget who said it. it might have been Vulture said that it's it's for people who still think Kofefe is funny. And, that, right. and that's valid. Like, if it's all just a big joke about how Trump is goofy... That's not going to work because we have a million shows that do that already and you had to make it nine months ago. Totally. Um, so it does need to have its own personality aside from isn't Space Force stupid. Uh, right. But it's got so much talent in it that I, I I just can't accept that it doesn't have something going for it. So I, I really want to have an open mind. Right. Yeah. Yeah, well, we'll, we'll see on that one. Speaking of The Office... Like con- next week. continued heat on John Krasinski. He has not he has not had to take the last week very well ever since he announced that he's selling his some good news YouTube show to <laughs> Viacom CBS. Yeah, he was on um, Soul Pancake. Yeah, or, that's uh, right. <laughs> Righteous Kumquat. Oh, that's good. Going. That's really good. <laughs> um, i think it was kumquat bambino but that's kumquat, yeah, uh, righteous is a, is a good word too uh so he kind of said it was one of those things he only planned on doing a couple episodes and uh then he realized someone else wanted to carry on carry on this good news thing it's a totally valid thing it's he said i yeah. only ever wanted to make eight i've got other things going on and I, I genuinely think there should be a news show that's just good news. And so we sold our brand. Like, I don't think that's the greatest crime in the world. No. No, I think it's it's uh, it's pretty pretty valid that he would prefer this to continue on rather than to not continue on. Now, what he, like, what the deal was that he sold it for and how much he gives away, that, that could also be a part of it. Oh, that's an interesting point. Maybe some of it should be appropriated for good. It's also a valid criticism that he kind of built his show based on a lot of freely donated content made by other people and majorly profited from it. True. Very true. But said five words in between. I was like, that's it. That's the way the, the cookie crumbles, guys. That's how it goes. It's famous, dude. That's right. Did you, did you hear about uh, Joe Rogan? Spotify? No. He's going to Spotify. Oh, yes. Yeah. A hundred million dollars. hundred million. Yeah. So Bill Simmons sold The Ringer for 250 million. That's a lot of podcasts. Rogan does it. Yeah, a lot of podcasts and, and the entire blogosphere of The Ringer as well. Rogan insists that they have no influence. He's not a he's not a employee of Spotify. That everything will be exactly the same. It'll just be exclusive to Spotify, and that's because they want people to download their app. Because R- Rogan, whether you like him or not, his influence is ludicrous. Like he says, I think I might vote for Bernie Sanders, and Bernie Sanders goes to number one. Like it's yeah, it's bananas. When you see him number one on the iTunes charts, the distance between number one and number two is tenfold. It's staggering how big his podcast is. Yeah. I kind of wonder how much money he's making on his own, that it was worth taking this hundred million dollar check. I don't think I've ever felt Rogan's a guy that I'll, if I see someone who it's kind of like Marin, if I see someone who I've really got, like who I'm really interested in what they have to say, I will listen to the episode, but I'm also so torn on them as people. That's not how I feel about Marin. I love Marin with my whole heart, but I, I get that about Rogan. I have a lot of, 
problems with Brogan. Although I think he's genuinely a smart person. I think he's been careless with some of his words and he has good interviews with people I like. Yeah, like he he po- posted a huge meme about like people driving with face masks on. No. Oh. And it was like it was very like, you know, uh macho and like it was it was basically a girl lifting a guy up and like making out with him and he posted underneath like this is for all the guys who wear like masks in the car or something i was like i i think people are wearing masks in the car just because they don't want to take it off first of all yeah i don't know and uh, yeah sorry anyway it just made me be like fuck off man a- absolutely like sometimes he has like a really enlightened conversation with like you and I, are, we're both kind of fans of Russell Brand ideologically. He's gotten just like better cool. and better every year, that guy. So, yeah. and again, don't agree with everything he says, although it gets to be more and more interesting the older he gets, the, the wiser he gets. Like, that's a great example of a, of a good Rogan guest because it can, and he had Patton Oswald last week. Like, I love Patton Oswald and that's a good conversation. I really like when Rogan talks about comedy because uh, yeah. he definitely like worships at that altar first and foremost. He had Kevin Hart on this week and it is, I mean... You like Rogan next to Kevin Hart, who's like, he's so full of shit in this interview. It's, it's list, literally unlistenable. Um, oh, no. But then other times, Rogan is like, um, it's so silly. We're on our little po- dinky podcast, like criticizing Joe Rogan. Joe Rogan, <laughs> the world <laughs> podcast of yeah. like all time. <laughs> but like, he's also like the embodiment of someone who's like, thin people are better looking. It's scientifically a fact, and it's just not. It's not an interesting. Um, it's not an interesting approach towards uh, uh, diverse of opinions or 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 being um, a truth teller. Right now, did we follow up at all about Mark Marin? Has he had a, had a podcast since all of his tragedy? That's right, we did. We forgot to talk about Lynn Sheldon last week. This is Mark Marin's girlfriend, who just it was two weeks ago uh, tomorrow. She he had been saying it's it's so eerie, like on. Tuesday or Thursday, his podcast comes out with Kate Blanchett, and he's like bragging about his girlfriend to Kate Blanchett. It's like he was so in love with her. He was like bragging about her. And he had mentioned in the monologue, Lynn's not feeling very good. It's not COVID. She's not that sick. He literally said she's not that sick. And then on Friday, she just right. collapsed in his house and died. She had an um, undiagnosed blood disorder. And he has been doing podcasts. He hasn't missed one. Marin, in his eleven years, has never not put out a podcast on Monday or Thursday. So has he? Has he acknowledged it? Oh yeah, of course. Oh yeah. Okay. So he his first two were he just re-aired um, his interview with Lynn Shelton from five years ago, which is kind of surreal because they were living together and uh, in both a professional and romantic partnership. But this podcast was the first time they met, and uh, she was still with her husband, and so he's like. He cries through the monologue and he tells the story and he, uh, it's it's heartbreaking and and then he plays this like first meeting with her, which was fascinating. It was so cool. And then on Thursday or yeah, it was Thursday he pl- replayed his Fred Willard clip. So he didn't do he hasn't done a lot of new interviews. I don't think he's aired an interview recorded since she passed away. I'm not sure if he has recorded one since she passed away. He hasn't missed putting up a podcast, but it, it, it he's still of course very sad and I guess he's had lots of. Uh, house guests and, and whatever he's doing as well as you can be but like what a horrible thing to happen to somebody who like kind of found happiness later in life and yeah jeez yeah they're bringing back tuca and birdie did you watch that show no i didn't did you me neither but i know that it was like considered quite sad and a letdown when it got canceled and now it got saved nice also on netflix yeah okay yeah i, I think it's also- a bojack spinoff yeah, I think it's the creator of BoJack Horseman. Okay, we should talk about Snowpiercer. We should. <laughs> we might Get talk about it. Snowpiercer for a while, honestly. Um, sure. So it's your turn, but I really think we should talk about the movie first. Yeah, let's let's talk about. Do you think we should do a recap? Like, well, we should talk. Maybe we don't have to put ourselves in the clock here, but we should discuss about what this movie is about at length, and because the this okay. the series is the same. I mean, we can. We can get ahead of ourselves right now. the The show is just going to be a slower version of an identical story, apparently. Well, that no, it's I. There's no way. Why not? It doesn't that seem it exactly the exact the, same. It doesn't seem exactly the same to you. No. Okay. It seems the exact same to you. Yes. 
there's no there's no murder mystery in the movie. No, I mean they're going to have to add stuff to make it longer. Because right. c- that's what Snowpiercer needs to be longer. Yeah. That's <laughs> the thing. Uh okay. <laughs> but but the movie, okay, first of all, did you like the movie? No. I didn't. You didn't? No, and I realized that 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 makes me sound like a Philistine cuz this is like a critically acclaimed movie, but I didn't like is it? it. I didn't like it at all. Oh yeah. So I wasn't sure if it was a critically acclaimed movie. But I I like I really liked it. I actually found it like you know, one of the more entertaining movies that I've seen recently, mainly mm. because I had no idea what it was about. I we first watched the, the first episode of Snowpiercer, and I said to myself, "Weird, weird." You went with the show first. I don't know why, but it's it just seems like movies are something that we don't do as much through the weekdays, right? So we were like, "Okay, let's watch the the show," and so so it was a little strange to have those comparisons, and then we watched the movie. And I pretty soon was like, oh, this is going to be better. Like, yes. my mind is made up. Just it's it just seems more visually pleasing. And I I was like wondering if it was going to go down the whole murder mystery line. And I was happy it didn't. I was happy he wasn't a homicide detective. No, he's just kind of revolutionary. Life. He's just kind of like a like a leader of a gang. And so, okay, let's 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 break this down a little bit. It, it takes place on a bullet train called Snowpiercer in a post-apocalyptic world. I think it's 2030, seven years after a freezing chemical has been released onto the earth and most of the world's population has died. Those who are alive live on a thousand long thousand car long train called Snowpiercer wherein exists a microcosm not unlike the one we have here on earth it's a very stark class system and in the very end like car thousand lives the the uh, the slums of of chris evans and john hurt and jamie bell and they decide there's going to be some kind of uh revolutionary an uprising and they right. they attack and they decide they're going to march the length of the entire train and go after their leader and confront him and there is very much death what do you think is the body count in this film not including the fact oh. that it derails and literally everyone dies in the end spoiler alert i don't know how uh oh um i actually have no idea i don't know either but tons oh okay i thought you had a, a hardcore fact it was so yeah, brutally violent earth oh. made it on this train it's based on a um, continually orbits the the world it's based on a French graphic novel, and that checks out. It has like the real aesthetic sense of 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 being like a a grim noir comic book. It has that feel, uh, and that also explains why it's so like riotously violent at times. Mm-hmm. Um, but I didn't like it. No, and I found <laughs> I, just didn't I, like I, it. I found that the uh, the movie was a lot more like I felt more like I was watching Kill Bill than like yes. watching the show where I was like, what is this? Like, well, and did you I just didn't it? care what the show, I, I don't know how like budgetarily concerned they were in this movie. I know it's not like gone on to be like this big blockbuster or anything, but the exterior shots in the movie look inexpensive, but yeah. they make the most of it. And you can also kind of um, forgive it because it feels like, like a Kill Bill type movie. Like it feels very right. practical and kind of comic booky. The rest yeah, of it is very CGI. inexpensive. It's just all in these like really crude sets. The CGI of like, you know, the train going by in the snow is very underwhelming. Yeah. That's it how I felt. It does not look great. Yeah. What did you think of Jamie Bell in this movie? Because I'm watching this thing and I can't figure out why this guy hasn't been a bigger movie star. And then I remembered Andrew Garfield is why this guy hasn't been a bigger movie star. Uh, so Jamie Bell is the guy who played uh, Edgar? Yes. He's like okay. his like second in command there. Yeah, yeah, he was solid. He's a great he actor. He's been around for years and years, but for some reason, he's never been an A-lister. Oh, yeah, we liked him in it. Mm-hmm. Um, and and as soon as honestly, Tilda Swinton, I felt kind of stole the movie. Yeah, she's she's good in it, but she's so absurd and and the movie kind of it kind of tonally dances around itself do you find like it goes from like from between genres really strangely like sometimes when they're sometimes the color almost makes you feel like it's a wes anderson movie and then suddenly it's a a slasher again 
Yeah, exactly. And that's kind of why I like the absurd is where my bread is buttered a little bit. So I kind of like the like, whoa, what is happening? All of a sudden, like Allison Pill as the like teacher in the pastel classroom has a gun that she took out of a wheelbarrow full of eggs and is shooting, you know, random soldiers. This is after she's like a very sunny, like children's school teacher. The most sunny, but at the same time is like praying at the church of Wilford. Then she takes a knife to the neck. Yes. Uh, Tilda Swinton, I guess it does kind of allow you for um, a bit of weirdness anytime you put her in your thing. But like, listen to all these famous people we're we're listing. And then spoiler alert, Wilford, who's the leader, is Ed Harris. Like, it's just a stacked cast. Totally. I guess um, Jake Gyllenhaal uh, auditioned for the part of Curtis, the Chris Evans role. And Dustin Hoffman auditioned for the Gilliam role, which is John Hurt's role. Imagine not casting Dustin Hoffman. And going with John Hurt yeah. instead. No disrespect to John Hurt, but like, imagine. Imagine not casting Jake Gyllenhaal for that matter. 2013, uh, Captain America was less famous, still pretty famous, yeah. but less famous than Jake Gyllenhaal. Yeah, definitely. It, uh, I found it like less kind of, I just found the Netflix show to be so um, like the, the, 4400 or like you know all those like sci-fi netflix shows yeah it looked like that and i was expecting like you know this is like bong joon ho produced it like i thought this was going to be like the next netflix show and it's released every week like that like people are really gonna be hanging on for it i gotta tell you not hanging on at all for that tv show it feels very sanitized but here's the thing it's a tbs show it just has right. a partnership with Netflix. And so it actually feels kind of high caliber for TBS and quite low caliber for Netflix. Actually, you know what? I don't think I did know that that was TBS. Yeah. I was confusing that with the the golf game that happened this past weekend, the match with Bill Mickelson and Tiger Woods and Peyton Manning and Tom Brady. So before, was, oh, sorry, I got that. before this experience, I the, my only director bong experience was Parasite which obviously I really enjoyed, but now we know Parasite is also being adapted for television. Is it with Jeremy Renner? Is that who it is? Somebody. No, it's Mark Ruffalo. Ruffalo. Yeah. That's even weirder. I like him so much more. So is this indicative of what the Parasite TV show is going to be like? Like I, I, you may not disagree. I don't think so. You may not agree, but I do not see enough difference between the show Snowpiercer and the movie Snowpiercer. I mean, the character names are different, but like I would so much rather you tell us a totally different story that also takes place on this train. Yeah, I would just rather the show not exist. I just found that the movie to be more interesting, big budgety, kind of like, like big shots, more compelling storyline, willing to kind of kill its darlings. I don't think this show is going to do that. It was willing to kill its darlings, the movie. Yeah. I've, I've written this note, and this reminds me of a thing I wanted to tell you about on the podcast. I hope this ends better than the last train-based content I consumed, I wrote on my on my notes here, because the series finale of uh, Run was this week on HBO. Oh, no. Bad. Don't finish it. It's so stupid. Really? <laughs> I don't know if they're going to come back for a second season. I doubt it, because nobody but me and Becky watched this show, but it was so fucking dumb. It was terrible. Can you spoiler alert? Can we do a spoiler alert? And and do they just go back to their own family? I discourage anybody from watching Run anyway. So let me let me do you a solid and just tell you how it ends. Okay. Uh, so they um, they have been blackmailed by his former um, business associate. The whole reason yeah. he has texted her Run in the first place was because he's going to sell the book to his publisher he's basically told them like listen i have a deal with my ex-girlfriend where if i text her run she leaves her family and we run away i'm gonna do it right i'm gonna do it right now then i'm gonna write the book and so he's a scumbag um he bails on the plan because he realizes he's actually in love with Merritt weaver and then his business associate uh she decides she's going to like get even and she steals all his money and then they accidentally murder her in a barn and that's what accidentally murder the associate. Yep. They like, she gets like spikes through her whole body. She dies. And that's when Phoebe Waller bridge comes in as an American. And there's like a bumbling police officer, which is a trope. Um, anyway, it, it, it just ends with Merritt Weaver finds out, uh, what a loser Donald Gleason is. She goes back to her husband and Donald Gleason is left alone. 
That's how the show ends. It's so like it, the whole point it was for nothing. It was so unsatisfying. Oh my god! Yeah, like it, you're literally in the same spot that you were in before, except yeah. you killed someone yep. and don't have any money. Right. That's awful. Thank you for sparing me that. Right, and so I didn't. I didn't really enjoy anything I consumed that took place on a train this week. And, and I'm not saying that that Snowpiercer is bad. I just, I, I, I guess I don't get it. Like I'm, I'm impressed that that it's like an allegory about a class system. I think that the show, if it makes any kind of diversion, it's a greater metaphor about climate change than it is about the class system. I think that's kind of its, and that makes it more relevant for now. So I appreciate that. Tell me what you thought about the arms. There are, I can remember, three different cases in this movie where somebody sacrifices their arm or loses their arm. And what is the metaphor there, sir? Right. It's, I, I think it's um, what, people are, what people at the bottom are, nece- are potentially willing to do, uh, struggling in a way far beyond the rich to just get by. And then when someone in the place of power does that, um, eventually in the end with Chris Evans, um, it is like the ultimate heroic move. Or maybe it's always the ultimate heroic move and then someone in the place of power does it at the end. Although he's not really in the place of power. I mean, I guess it always does come down to giving up your arm for the greater good. Like there's the story about... um cutting off his own arm to give it to the cannibals so they won't eat the baby. I actually found that like, like, so I know it should be probably laughable, but I I thought it was so compelling in the moment. Like, whoa, whoa. No, like that to me was where all the twists were. I don't think it was laughable. I think it was very disturbing. The whole baby eating monologue and actually like the food they've been served are these like little gelatinous bricks of like ground up wasps. Like this is the whole protein that they're served and it's like yeah. very prominent in the film too yeah these black bricks and then in the and end chris evans like sticks his arm in some gears to like fish out a little kid to fish out a kid who like ed harris is selfishly like showing the the um uh, you know the kind of disgusting uh uh dismissiveness of yeah. the lower class is like you know what these little kids, like everyone's got their place. That's the whole thing about the movie and the show is like, there's a, they're saying like, there's an ecosystem and there needs to be people on the bottom and there needs to be people on the top and everyone's. So like, we're trying to keep a balance just like, you know, the world does. Mm -hmm. We're trying to keep humanity going. We've got a responsibility and we're going to do that. But at the same time, they're like, that's probably what Jeff Bezos would say. That's interesting. What an interesting comment. Yeah. I think that's kind of what what the whole take is supposed to be. Like, wh- how would the rich justify what they're doing? Sure. Yes. Okay. That's kind of smart. Like it has it has to be this way, and it's it. No, it totally doesn't have to be this way. People on the bottom are like, no, this is definitely not the way it has to be. But everyone along the way is like justifying it. Um. Like, oh, what do you mean? Like, you you jumped on the on the train and you couldn't afford it. I tell you what, I liked. Um, it's kind of the, one of the initial inciting scenes, uh, where they decide they're going to rise up, and he lunges at one of the guards, Chris Evans, and he grabs hold of the rifle and he puts the barrel up to his head, and he himself pulls the trigger just to prove that these guns are actually like filled with blanks or whatever, and that's how yeah. they know that this is just hot air and they can rise up. And that right. when that happened, I was like, okay, this is going to be a good movie. And it was never as good as that for me. Well, and the, the fact that the thing that was so strange was the fact that there is a point where they have bullets again. Yes. You know, so maybe it was just like, they were just arming the people that were working the tail end of the train with no bullets. What did you think of the end? When they go outside, and only a couple people survive. Can they just go outside again? Was I missing something about the about the laws of this universe? No, I think I think the thing was there there are parts. Um, you know, the whole thing about 
So the guy who is the the kind of engineer who is opening some of the doors for them. Yeah. And which is a, probably a metaphor in its own right. <laughs> he he uh, was the one who kind of had the knowledge of from the Inuit lady of all of the different types of snow. Yes. And he realized that there was a type of snow that they could potentially live in. And there was that one plane that he had realized like one year, every year, like on new year's, they go over this big bridge. And when they go over the bridge, they see this plane and the plane's not fully buried. Mm. They could see the tail the first year, but the next year they could see more of the plane, meaning that stuff was melting, meaning that, it was getting at least above zero degrees. Oh, okay. I see. I was just kind of under the impression that like the entire world was uh, so cold. It was like, corrosive. Like you couldn't go outside. Totally. And that's, that's kind of the way they made it seem. And, and I think it was in, in parts, but yeah. he's like, at least there's a couple parts. And then it just so happened that, you know, when all of the snow fell in the avalanche uh, that knocked the train off, these two people that ended up surviving, which it weirdly kind of looked like a, like a living room. Like when they, they like, you know, there's like a little fireplace and then like an yeah. exit area that they walked out of. So that's probably where they're going to live. And then, but the thing I found super funny was when they got out, you know, this kid that was saved and this other 17 year old daughter of the, the guy with the door knowledge, um, they get out and they see, a polar bear off in the distance. Right. And that's supposed to be like, Hey, Major. look, things can live here. Yeah. But what I said was, Hey, look, it's like one of the most dangerous animals on the planet <laughs> that like will kill at no, yeah. like it, it wants food. You're done. And for. will do anything. Yeah. Yeah. That's really interesting. Something I wanted to talk to you about last week and I forgot is that I, I watched from Russia with love. I, and that's actually incorrect. I watched a half an hour from Russia with love. We had watched Skyfall and it was so great. And um, I wanted to watch like an old Sean Connery movie. And so I decided that probably uh, Goldfinger, yeah, Goldfinger would be like an essential Sean Connery like movie that everybody agrees is like kind of the original Bond. And so I asked my brother if I could borrow his copy of it. And he said, no, you should watch From Russia With Love instead. And it was so fucking boring. It was crazy. I, I, I don't know if I'm just like, if I'm not cultured enough to appreciate old James Bond movies, but I think I can't watch James Bond movies that aren't Daniel Craig because, oh my God, it was so boring and stupid. And he didn't, he doesn't even show up for 25 minutes in the movie. And then he talks. Oh, man. I went through a phase where I tried to really appreciate a few years ago, all of the James Bond movies. And I like had the whole box set. I had borrowed them from Jen's dad. I was like, okay, I'm going for it. And I think I got through two before I was like, I like, I just don't want to watch this third one so badly yeah. that like, there's no, there is no, um, I just said, there's no payoff for me. Like just to say I did it and I'm, I'm wasting time here. I'm willing to endure some less than modern special effects. Like I knew what I was getting into, but it was boring. It's not, it's not that like, I don't buy this alligator sequence. I'm so bored that you're still talking in this office. This is supposed to be the greatest action hero ever. Yeah. Yeah. They, like to me, the, the sign is once you start going on your phone through a movie, you should probably get out of the movie. So this is my big criticism of Snowpiercer. It, up until that moment with the gun on his forehead, it was just burning way too slow for old Colin. It was slow. It was slow. and then, But then it went real fast. And then it got just too brutal to follow. Yeah. Were you looking away a lot in the in the brutal scenes? Well, I had read on IMDb that it's never um, like graphic gore, like that there's right. like in kind of a comic book way, there's like lots of blood, but that it's never lingered upon. And so I felt pretty, pretty right. safe, but it was brutal. Like there's still lots of like throat slashing in this movie. I love the absurdity and the, like the kind of surreality of all of the guys with with like butcher's knives and picks and stuff that yeah. they just end up fighting in that one car. And then one of them, and this will probably stick with me for a while. Like they like sing happy new year and stuff. And they pause all the fighting. Right. Like for one point. And this guy with like a mask over like all of his face, except for his mouth 
just turns and like flashes this big like all tooth smile. Yeah. And I was like, oh, that I something something sits right with me with that. I I just kind of love that kind of weird kill Billy kind of vibe. So jogging my memory, I've consumed a lot of um, of Snowpiercer stuff in the last twenty four hours. Um, what is the fish scene? Was there a fish scene in the movie? Yeah, yeah. So, so those crazy guys with the pickaxes and stuff. As soon as the door opens, yeah, um, one of the guys just holds up a fish, and he cuts it open with an axe. Yeah, and then he like, like passes around the fish, and people put their weapons inside the the bloody fish. And right, there's like blood going on all of it. Yeah. So I read this awesome. interesting story about the making of this movie. This is like one of. Um, Harvey Weinstein's last movies. He produced this film. I saw that. And uh, so do you know the story about the, the fish, the fish scene? No, no. I, I just, the, the Weinstein company at the beginning, I just turned to Jen and I went, oh, this seems like a reputable movie. Yeah. So uh, he wanted to cut this scene. Harvey Weinstein would always like go to film sets and like try and make movies his. That was how he was involved right. in movies. He would like take the artistry out of films and be involved in them. And uh, right. he wanted to cut the fish scene. He wanted to replace it with like another action sequence or something. And director Bong told him, actually, this is my favorite scene in the movie. My father was a fisherman, and so it's quite important to me. And so uh, Harvey Weinstein said, well, in that case, we should keep it in. I'm, I, family's very important to me or some bullshit. And later in an interview, director Bong was like, oh, that was a fucking lie. I just wanted to keep the scene. My dad was not nice. a fisherman. <laughs> we like that story now. I was hoping you were going to say that. Yeah. Like, yeah, no, it was just a bold-faced lie. Yeah, I just wanted, I didn't want him to, like, friggin' with my movie. That's a good story. Yeah. I don't know. Like this Mike, that's like this last dance thing that Michael Jordan says there was this guy and he's like, oh man, that guy, when he was leaving after beating us said like, great game, Mike. And, and we were playing him the next night and like Michael Jordan put up like so many points on him. And years later they asked like, Hey Michael, uh, like tell us about that story. And he says like, that wasn't true. Uh. (laughs) Ah, like he was like, I just made it up to like fire up the team and like, that's impressive. It was kind of like, it was kind of like Michael's uh, magic stuff. It's it's not unlike this director Bong story. It's getting the job. Done. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's what I mean. Yeah, I think that's cool. Did I miss them in the movie as in the TV show using the word "taily" a lot to refer to the culture of people who are in the tail of the train? But it just evokes mm-hmm. lost to me. Uh, they said "taily" a lot, but but it evokes lost how yeah do you remember when they found like a third section of the plane it was people from the tail and they called them the tailies oh no i i don't remember that at all i'm from pretty sure i'm pretty sure I that was from lost. The movie. yeah but it was in the movie too was it? it i know it was in snowpiercer the show yeah it was in both okay i just wondered if maybe i was missing that yeah so you don't like the movie um the show uh just to break it down quickly i guess was um same vibe, except it's only been seven years since the end of the uh, world, yeah. essentially. Um, this homicide detective uh, ends up going to the tail with his son. Um, at some point, his partner ends up moving up. Um, he sticks with the tail to, like, you know, they're in the same way, kind of like forming an alliance to make their way to the front of the train and keep moving up. Um, but he actually gets torn away from that crowd specifically to solve a murder right because he's the only homicide detective on the train yeah um of like hundreds of thousands of people on this train they bring him up yeah because everyone else is like fucking debutantes and shit right uh so they bring him up to like solve the murder and uh yeah that's that's pretty much the the gist of the series and he's david diggs from hamilton Oh, is that who he is? Yeah, he's Thomas Jefferson. I gotta say, I didn't like him in the first episode. Interesting. The second episode, he grew on me a little bit. Like he's he wasn't very capable of being charismatic, but I just wasn't in the headspace to enjoy the show. It took me th- uh, three sittings to get through the pilot of this show. Yeah, yeah. I don't think I'm gonna watch anymore. I definitely don't give that my ass. No, I don't give it my ass. You know what? I wonder. This might be kind of a silly question, but would this be more? evocative if it came out in the winter when the cold outside feels like it could be as corrosive as as it is in their universe like it's the hottest day of the year and i'm watching snowpiercer and i'm like ah this is stupid remember snow yeah. uh honestly no i don't think so no 
Maybe I'm just like, so. I'm looking for reasons to not care about this. It just seems to me, think, if you want to make a story about mass transportation and how, um, how, like, how, the, like, like stark class divides, watch Titanic. <laughs> like, right. and how we're all like hurtling at the same pace towards our, our demise, no matter how rich yeah. we are, watch Titanic. Well, and there are differences from the movie to the show. And I do find that difference kind of interesting. And I'm a big Jennifer Connelly fan. Um, oh, we didn't even mention her. But she is in the show and she plays Wilford. And yeah. she also plays this kind of like, um, you know, uh, PR representative, almost like a, a hospitality uh, manager who's walking through and making sure that everyone's happy. Um, but they do a super over the top kind of scene where she's walking through her little barracks and she's like, you know, she's got like chess posters on the wall for like chess strategy and she puts on an MIT hoodie and she's got equations written like all like Goodwill hunting styles just all over the walls right. and stuff like, oh, here's a good idea. So they really hammer that home. And then, uh, you know, it kind of shows her conducting the train at the end. And someone's like, you sure you're OK with this? Wilfred? Yeah, big reveal. Yeah. Um, which I, th- I thought was like kind of neat. I like it's, it's going to differentiate itself from the movie, which I also like. But um, I don't know. I just, other than that, not not big into it. We, this is only the third time we've watched a movie for the show show. Uh, and yeah. last time we just each gave our, gave each other a movie to watch. It was only the second time I've had to watch for uh, watch a movie for the show show instead of a show. The first time it yeah. was Pulp Fiction, and right. I really enjoyed Pulp Fiction. <laughs> I kind of teed you up for that one. You did. Gave you a long ball. I mean, I gave you When Harry Met Sally. It's a very, very big departure sure. from When Harry Met Sally. Also, also a well-liked film for me. I was like, you know, I'm happy he gave me that. Of course. Snowpiercer just does not come anywhere near those for me. I, I, I it, it has a message. It, it knows what it's doing. I don't fault the film so much. It pulled something off. I think the show is a cheap facsimile. Um, the film is not for me either, but I do not give the show my ass. All right, so we don't give the show our ass. You don't give the movie your ass. No, I can't. I can't in good in good conscience do that. I do give the movie my ass. Okay, my ass. Are you gonna Are you going to watch more director Bong stuff now? Because you've now seen his two biggest films. He's got a couple. Is there that much more stuff? He's got a couple of movies. I think he directed Okja, which is on Netflix. Okay, I'd be into it. Yeah, why not? Sure, Okja. Yeah. It seems like it's best to go into his movies completely knowing nothing about the films, which has been the case for both of these for me. True. Although I had a, a basic idea from watching the pilot of Snowpiercer. Oh, I see. All right. Uh, so, yeah, there we go. That's the episode of, of this show show. When asked why he is not appearing in the Suicide Squad sequel, Will Smith said he couldn't fit it into his schedule. But if you look at his schedule, he's not making any other movies. And so it just seems like he lied to get out of the Suicide Squad sequel, which might have been smart. Although well, James Gunn is making that movie. I don't know if it's fair to say that he couldn't, that he's like, you know, he's not doing anything just because you're not. Oh, I'm sorry. Are we being fair to Will Smith all of a sudden? <laughs> <laughs> and remember, always be fair to Will Smith. Right. That's not the motto here. That's true. That's very true. Um, yeah, no, he's, he's got some spare time. He could film, he, he, he could lend five hours of the day. I think so. Yeah. To be he's that not guy. Spend, he, I guess the point is, unless he proves that he's spending it with his family, hmm. then you should never trust Will Smith. We want the tapes. We want the family tape. That's right. If you're so busy, Pixar, it didn't happen. Yes. Yeah, exactly. No, vids or it didn't happen. We want a, uh, chronological we want a timeline what you're describing is the the red table talk show that he is like routinely on that's true but it's only for like an hour or so you're right he's only spending that hour with his wife she did recently say she doesn't know him at all i want the time lapse video i see okay you want him like bugged all the time we gotta know i want to know if ever he reads to himself in an irish accent i want to know if he burps not not like me i'll tell you that much (laughs) This has felt like a very weird show show to me. 
I think so too. It was a weird one. But you know what? That's what the show is all about. The people will decide, I guess. The people will decide. You can dig out whatever you want, by the way. Oh, thank you for that. <laughs> I have no... <laughs> you know what? This is your show. You decide what am I the first? Am I the first show or the second show? I guess we rotate week to week. Do you ever think about uh, how? Do you ever think about how yeah. we named this show the Show Show because it's like a show about shows, but then it evolved to become a show where we talk about two shows. So it's two like shows? the Show Show. The Show Show. Is it? Yeah, fi- no, is I, it I've never, I've never thought about it that way. Is it finally a good name for a podcast? The multiple shows. <laughs> yeah, we're getting super meta with it. Yeah, finally, this name makes sense. Yes. As horrible SEO. We made it happen. Yeah. All right. Well. Never trust Will Smith. Never trust Will Smith. <laughs>